Welcome to Body Matters Podcast, where we bring to you raw and inspiring content on all things to do with body positivity and eating disorder recovery. But before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as traditional people and traditional owners of this country. We acknowledge with gratitude First Nations communities for their continuing care and connection to the lands or waters with which they have protected for thousands of years. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and recognise that First Nations sovereignty was never ceded. On this week's episode, I am super excited to be introducing you to our next special guest, psychologist, author, co-founder and executive clinical director, Dr. Anita Johnston. As an international speaker, someone with a PhD, a supervisor and an eating disorder professional all the way from Hawaii, Anita has been able to make a tremendous impact in the space of eating disorders where she has worked in the treatment of eating disorders for over 35 years. On today's episode, we will be speaking about the use of storytelling and metaphor as a way to heal body image, a conversation that hopes to bring healing to people's perceptions around body image and open the doorways for people to look at themselves from a different light. So on that note, Please welcome our next lovely guest, Anita. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Anita. I'm happy to be here. Would you be able to provide a little background information about yourself and maybe speak about some things that you like to do to stay well? Okay, well, I'm a depth psychologist that's been working with eating difficulties and body image issues for over 35 years now. I'm the executive clinical director of Aipono Hawaii, which is a residential treatment center in Maui. I'm the author of Eating in the Light of the Moon, which has been published in seven languages. And I'm the co-founder of the Light of the Moon Cafe, which is my online platform with courses and interactive groups for women around the world who are freeing themselves from struggles with eating and body image. Yes. And what about the things that you like to do to stay well? Ooh, well, I, in the first thing in the morning is I dance. Ooh. So I, uh, that's, you know, part of my routine. Uh, when it's warm here, which it's not right now, I swim. I like to, to swim a lot. I like to walk. I like to garden. Um, and then I, I was having problems with my knees. So I did an amazing physical therapy protocol, which I'm still doing and it healed them. So I'm happy. And I guess it'd be so interesting working in Maui with the eating difficulties there. Would you say there's a large percentage there? No more than any place else. So pretty much it's, and and because it's residential, the the patients there come from all over. So I would say less than 50% are from Hawaii. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool that people can fly and go to that treatment center. Mm -hmm. It's all kind of centered there and it's a nice environment. It is. The, the island itself is really healing. Yeah, it'd be beautiful. 
And I guess each week on the podcast, we do like to ask our guests about a recent challenge that they've experienced and how they have managed to overcome it. Do you have one? Okay. What is a challenge? Um, well, a, a challenge is, uh, one is that I was offered an opportunity to write a book. And my first thought was, oh, I don't have time. I don't want to write a book. I, and so I, so I was going to just kind of walk away from it. And then it occurred to me that I have a friend whose work I love and we've been working together for over 20 years and she's had a book in her. I've been trying to get her to write about exercise resistance, which is a phenomenal um, concept. And so I thought, well, maybe we could do it together. So that's how I overcame the challenge of, I don't have the time or I don't know if I want to do this. So. Wow. And that is really exciting to be able to write a book with someone else and kind of bounce off each other. Yeah, it's a new thing. So, um, but we, we, we've run workshops together for over 20 years. So we know each other's style and we really work together well. So I was pleased that that um, solution popped into my head. <laughs> yeah, it'll be really special for you too then. <laughs> so on the topic of today, we are going to be speaking about body image, but would you be able to explain, I guess, what our body image is? Yeah, well, I think it first helps to understand the difference between body sense and body image. Because a lot of times people get them confused and even though they're related, they're not the same thing and they profoundly affect each other. So body sense is, is what we call interoceptive awareness, right? That's the ability to read the signals from inside your body. So when you say, my heart is pounding, my, my thoughts are, my head is racing, um, my stomach is growling, that's interoceptive awareness. That's body sense. You're sensing the signals from inside your body. Body image is different. Body image is in the mind. So it's how you imagine, image, right, is in imagine, how you imagine um, others see you. Um, because we really can't, we honestly can't see ourselves, right? Can you look into your own eyes? No, right? We need a reflection. So body image um, is when you're on the outside looking in. The interesting thing about the two is there's now um, a lot of research that's being done that's showing that the greater your interoceptive awareness, the greater your body sense, um, the less negative body image you have. So the better you are at reading those signals inside your body, the less you're going to your self-esteem is going to depend on how you look. Interesting, huh? Very. And I guess, how can body image then be linked to eating disorders? Well, it, it's sort of like the bookends. Um, so uh, they're usually, it's usually the first to show up and the last to leave. So often someone might engage in disordered eating behaviors because they're unhappy about the way they look. And so they think they need to... Um, restrict their food in order to change their body. And, um, and it's the last to go 
because after someone has cleared the disordered eating behaviors, there's often then the next thing is um, the body image that's lingering. And I, I, years ago, I was doing a retreat, a professional training retreat um, in Hawaii. And a lot of the people there that had come to train, the professionals were people that had their own struggles with eating disorders. And then they recovered and then they went on to get degrees and study in the eating disorder field. And I'll never forget this one woman said, you know, I worked really, really hard to clear my eating disorder. And I did. And then I started working on clearing my body image and now there's aging. <laughs> so I'm here to tell your listeners it never ends. So you might as well learn how to do it now. Yeah, definitely. And I guess what approaches would she have taken to, let's say, clear body image or kind of work on the body image? Well, I, I think, again, you have to understand that just like eating disorders are about food and they're not about food, and the biggest part is the not about food part, it's the same with body image. It's about the body and it's not about the body. So what is it about? What are these other these other factors? And that's when we start working with the with the inner critic, because it's um, when your mind gets hijacked um, by negative thoughts about your body. Yeah, definitely. And it may be something that you're using in response to maybe negative experiences that may not be about your body. As well. Oh, totally. Exactly. So, and, but, but that's, this is where it's tricky. It's tricky because of the way our brain is structured, right? So we, we humans, when we're born, our brains aren't fully developed, right? They don't, everything doesn't fully come on board until about when you're in your mid twenties. That's when everything all lines up. Not that it's not coming on board for quite a while, but the kind of the final pieces, who knows this, car rental companies, right? Try to rent a car before you're 25. You're not going to be able to get one because they want to make sure all faculties are on board. Now, because of that, because of the structure of our brain, when we are little, the only way we can think goes something like this. Bad things happen. I feel bad. I must be bad. And, and and so mommy and daddy got a divorce. I feel bad. It must be my fault. And then when, when we get older, we go, oh, we oh yeah, there's a thousand and one reasons why mom and dad got a divorce and none of them have anything to do with me. We can see that once we get more faculties on board. Well, when you live in a culture and modern Western culture is so fat phobic, and if you live in a family that's fat phobic and, and it's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of discussion about fat is bad. You got to have no fat, low fat, non-fat. Do I look fat? Oh, she's too. I mean, it's like there's all this negative connotation. And so what happens in the brain is bad and fat get linked. And we know this neurons that fire together, wire together. So what happens when we're younger this is the way we think. Bad things happen. I feel bad fat because they're linked. I am bad fat because they're linked. So maybe um, your boyfriend ditched you. It feels bad. Where does your brain go? To your thighs, because there they are, right? My thigh, the problem is he ditched me because I'm too fat. 
And so that's what, that's the way our brain works. And it, fortunately, we have a mind, not just a brain. And we're able to kind of, if we can step back and look at that thought process, you can start to see that, yeah, they're not really connected. Yeah. And how would you say that, I guess, the body image can impact day to day? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, certainly if you engage in eating disorder behaviors, that does it. But also um, you start restricting everything, right? Your life gets smaller and smaller. You don't want to go to the beach because you don't want to put on a bathing suit. You don't want to go uh, to a family reunion because um, one of these people who haven't seen you for a while are going to think. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So it's really, really painful. Yeah, definitely. And I guess how would you kind of work with someone if they did present to you with those kind of experiences? Well, I would help them to understand that the way out of negative body image is not by changing the way you look. It's by changing the way you see. So basically getting back into your body and getting behind your eyes and start looking from there. Yeah. And I know you talk a lot about like storytelling and metaphor. I guess mm -hmm. how might you use that to change okay. you and help someone with their body image? Well, I could tell a story right now and show you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So these there's healing stories. And, and when you understand the healing stories, they're designed to activate different parts of your own psyche. So all the characters in the stories represent different parts of ourselves. So you begin with that understanding about, about the stories. So here's one. There was once this, oh, and let me give your listeners a warning. If this story were a movie, I probably wouldn't see it because there's, it, it, there's some violence in it, right? But it's not gratuitous. So, But when you're listening to a story, you're in charge of the images that you create in your mind's eye. So here's the story. There was once this king who had been on a hunting expedition and had been gone for quite a long time because it was a very, very successful hunting expedition. So when the hunting party came galloping into the castle, they were greeted as they always have been by the king's most loyal subject, his closest companion, his best friend, the dog that he had raised from the time she was a puppy. But what happened is the dog started acting really strange. It started running up to the hunting party, snarling, barking, spinning around and running away. And then it would come back and snarl and bark and spin around and run away. And the king said, oh my gosh, my dog's gone mad because I've been gone so long. So he started chasing after the dog as it ran through the corridors of the castle. And then the dog stopped abruptly in front of the nursery of the king's firstborn and spun around, snarled and barked. And to his horror, the king saw the dog's muzzle was covered with blood. And there across the room was his infant child's cradle overturned, enraged by the betrayal of his best friend, his closest companion, his most loyal subject. He pulled out his sword and plunged it into the dog's heart. Immediately, he heard a cry across the room. He rushed over there, and there, beneath the carcass of a dead wolf, was his infant child, totally unharmed. Now, isn't this the worst story ever, right? 
it's awful because we all relate to the king immediately. I mean, you feel that pit in your stomach. It's like, oh my gosh, if only I waited just for a minute, right? To see what the real issue was. This tragedy could have been averted. Well, so we identify with the king. We've all been there. There's all these times we've said or done things that we went, oh, if I could take that back off, oh, I'd only waited. Um, so we know that feeling. But who does the dog represent in this story? The dog is our body, right? Our best friend, our most loyal subject, our closest companion that's going to be with us from the day we are born until the day we die. But what happens is we don't push the pause button when we see something's wrong and we immediately attack the body. So the minute we feel something's wrong, it's like, oh my gosh, it's my double chin, it's my big butt, it's my flabby stomach, blah, 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 blah. Immediately, we attack the body. Much the same way the king attacked the dog. So in our story, who does the wolf represent? Who is the real culprit? The, the, the real culprit here is the inner critic. That's the, that's the part of ourselves that hangs with a whole bunch of media wolves, right? All these messages from the media saying the way you look just the way you are is not okay. And so we start saying that as ourselves. The real culprit here is, is the inner critic. And who does the baby represent? The baby represents our most precious part of ourselves, that part of us that is the, the most you, that is our uniqueness, that the part of us that is like our thumbprint. There's never been an Anita on the planet like me uh, again and, and never will be. Now, some say that's a good thing, but the truth is every single one of us is unique. And yet it's the inner critic, the wolf that attacks that uniqueness. So can you see how a story can help you start to understand where the work lies in terms of body image. Definitely. And I guess then how would you start to work with that inner critic? How might you kind of unpack that? Well, the first thing is to do what you wish the king had done. Push the pause button. And, and before you make an assumption about what's wrong with your body, look to see why else you might be feeling bad. Maybe it's because an uncomfortable memory surfaced. Maybe it's because somebody treated you poorly. Maybe it's because somebody said something that disturbed you. Um, to look to see what's the real problem here rather than assuming. Now, in the beginning, you can't do this. It's I told you about our brain structure. It's so fast. We just immediately assume it's the body. And that's fine because afterwards you can say, okay, now let me roll the tape back. Let me look to see what really was going on that stirred up that thought that, oh, there's something wrong with my body. Because it starts off with there's something wrong, right? When we have a negative emotion, that's its job is... Is, is to let us know something's wrong, but we assume that something's wrong with us. We assume that something's wrong with our body. So the more you can start to unravel that, 
it takes you closer to the truth about what the real issue is. And then when you can identify that, that's going to point you towards the skills you need to develop to resolve that issue, whatever it may happen to be. Yes, definitely. And you talked a little bit about those feelings. So like having a negative feeling, I guess, how would you better kind of process that and feel those feelings instead of jumping to maybe eating disordered behaviors? Well, you sit with them because you see a lot of people don't understand that feelings aren't things, right? You can't hold anger or sadness or love in your hand right? It's not a thing. Uh, it's an energy and energy moves in waves, just like the waves in the ocean. So feelings are waves of energy that are designed to come in, peak and pass. Designed to come in and peak and pass, just like the waves in the ocean. So then the skill that one needs to develop is the ability to surf those feelings. A lot of times you don't even have to do anything with them. You just ride them and they will pass. So feelings, in some ways, women have a bit of a leg up on that because we get menstrual cramps. And what we understand about menstrual cramps is two things. One is it can really hurt, but no damage is being done. And two, they will pass. Well, that's the same for uncomfortable feelings. So um, to just start to ride them and see what happens. Yeah. And I guess when it comes to like feelings around body image, would you say mm -hmm. it's to do the things against maybe the inner critic um, when you do have those feelings? Yeah, you have feelings, but behind the feelings are thoughts. So the real question is where those thoughts come from. Um, so someone can have a fat attack. A fat attack is when you wake up in the morning, you feel like you gained 20 pounds overnight. Now, you know, it's not possible, but every fiber in your being feels like it. It feels very real. So in those moments, that's when you really want to examine what was the thought that came just before I was feeling like my, something was wrong with my thighs right? So you start to kind of roll the clock back and the chances are you're going to find a thought that stirred up distressing feelings in you. And that's the piece you want to examine. Yeah. So kind of going to the thought rather than, I guess, trying to manage the feelings because they could be reoccurring. So, yeah. Rather than automatically believing the thought. Okay. Uh, thoughts come and go all the time. I mean, I have thoughts, 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 thoughts. And so if I believed every thought I had, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'd be in serious trouble because I have some ridiculous thoughts. I have some scary thoughts. I have some funny thoughts. I have some thoughts that entertain me. And then I have some thoughts that, that, that hold deeper truths. So it's sort of like um, with feelings, you ride those waves, just like you would ride the waves in the ocean. With thoughts, you observe them just like you would observe the clouds in the sky. So if you see a cloud, the first thing you go is, oh, is, is, is that a rain cloud or something else? Is it coming this way or is it going away? You examine them. Um, and so learning to do that with your thoughts 
is sort of is what what the king didn't do. He didn't stop enough just to say, "Oh, what's this about?" Yeah, definitely to actually kind of step back from those feelings and have a look if you want to experience them or kind of internalize them or take them on. Mm -hmm. They will pass of their own accord because <laughs> you, you can't you can't stop feelings. Right. I mean, we try, but, you know, and, and it's too bad because we're told we're supposed to control our feelings. Well, forget that, you, you know, um, good luck because you can't control feelings any more than you can swim up a mountain, right? Now, you can control the way you express or suppress or repress feelings. You can control the behaviors, but the feelings themselves, they're energy. They're just designed to flow. Yeah. And I guess, do you have any more tools for people around body image? Yeah, get the idea is to get back into your body. Remember, body image is when you're outside of your body looking in. So just things like really um, developing interoceptive awareness. That's what the research says. You develop that and you're going to decrease the negative body image thoughts. So just something simple as, okay, notice that you can control where you put your attention and recognize sensation. So for example, put your attention on your right foot right now and notice what does it feel like? Where, what is touching it um, from the outside? Um, is it the floor beneath you? Is it um, part of your shoe um, or is it exposed to the air? And then what does it feel like inside? Do you feel any kind of tingling or do you feel any kind of warmth? And then move your attention to your left hand. Now, notice that. Notice what's pressing against it. Notice um, um, the sensations inside of it and so on. So that you can move your attention around and get inside your body. Wow, that is very powerful. It's kind of like the grounding techniques, but it's more internal and focusing on your physical sensations. And would you say it's to extend it also to like touching? Yes, it is grounding because essentially what you're doing when you're paying attention to the energy, the way it's moving through your body, that's what grounding is. Yeah, and what would you say, I guess, the power of, you know, coming to the present and that grounding element is when working with body image? Well, you're not, you're not outside your body looking in, right? You're not, you're breaking the, um, the focus and you're, you've taken your attention someplace else. You've taken it inside. So that's what I meant by you change the way you see rather than the way you look. Yeah, because it seems to be quite mental and the mental space can definitely kind of overtake but coming back to the body and the present um, and just moving forward within those moments. Right. right. And this is what happens when you're working also with um, eating disorders is that learning your hunger and satiety signals, which exist inside your body, not 
you know, they're not external. Um, so you're kind of killing two birds with one stone because you're addressing the disordered eating, developing the skill of interoceptive awareness, and you're addressing the negative body image by developing interoceptive awareness. Yeah. And how would you say, I guess, body image is worked on and improved over time? Well, I, I think you hit on it. It is a process, right, of time. So <clears throat> going back to the neuroscience, and what we know is that um, our th thoughts travel down neural pathways in our brain. So the more you do this, you're creating different neural pathways than ones that were already there. Uh, and the good news is we make new neural pathways till the day we die. We know this now. We didn't used to. We thought, you know, um, once you were an adult, that was it. No. So if you can think about if you're on a sled at the top of a hill, you go down that hill and you create a pathway. Now, the next time you go down that hill, you're going to go down a little faster. And then each time it's going to be faster, 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 faster until you decide, no, 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 I want to go down the other side of the hill. Well, that's going to take a little bit more practice because you have to create the pathway, but sooner or later, that will become the superhighway, and the old one you've been traveling down actually disappears. Neuroscientists call it pruning, just like when you prune dead branches off of a tree. So um, the more you push the pause button, notice what was triggering the negative body image thought, and then you address what the real culprit is, that's creating a new neural pathway. And the more you do it, the easier it gets until eventually that's the one you go down. Yeah. And have you seen anyone kind of go through the experience with negative, I guess, body image and see how they have used certain things to improve their body image and how that may impact them? hundreds and hundreds, right? So for example, um, <clears throat> on my online course at the Light of the Moon Cafe, um, I'll tell a story like this one, right? And then we have a forum and the participants will write in their responses in the forum and I respond to all of the responses. And so I get to see the cool thing about these stories is they affect different people in different ways, but then they can start to apply it to their lives. And so then one person can say, oh, I never thought of it that way. I can see now how this is what was going on for me in this situation. And so it starts to kind of snowball exponentially. And then people say, hey, this happened to me again, but this time I was able to notice that what was going on is I hadn't set a boundary with this person. I got angry and blamed my body, but, but then I was able to assert myself, set a boundary and everything shifted. So that's kind of how it works. Yeah. Wow. And I guess, what does it mean to have a healthy kind of positive body image? What does uh, it mean? Okay. It means that you have a stable sense of your body. So what happens when you have a negative body image, it's, it's not stable. And what that means is if somebody says you're too fat, then all of a sudden you're too fat. If somebody says you're too thin, now you're too thin. If somebody says you're beautiful, now you're beautiful. If somebody says you're ugly, now you're ugly. So that 
it's not stable. It depends on other people's reaction in terms of what informs your sense of yourself and your body. So when you learn how to stabilize it, you're the one that's in charge. Your feelings aren't getting pulled all over the place. Your image of yourself is not dependent on other people's perceptions or comments or behaviors. So wow. you're free. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of people, I guess, with like mass followings on social media or people in the limelight would experience so many different perspectives and opinions and comments, mm -hmm. um, especially on their body. Yeah, that's why what happens when you push the pause button, it allows you also to consider the source. Do we have room for another quick story? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll show you how this works. So there was once this nightingale and she is in the forest and she's singing and singing and singing and she's enjoying the sound of her song reverberate through the treetops. And along comes a pig and the pig says, would you shut up already? That's just the worst thing I've ever heard. You're polluting the forest with your noise. And the nightingale said, oh, no, no, no. We nightingales are known for our beautiful song. And, and the crow who came along, the crow said, I don't think so. That's just the worst racket. I can hardly stand it. So the crow and the nightingale started fighting. And the pig comes along and says, wait, 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 look, let me, let's, let me solve this problem once and for all. Why don't you guys have a contest? And I'll be the judge. And so the two of them agreed. And the nightingale sang her song and the crow cawed. And the pig immediately declared the crow the winner. And the nightingale burst into tears. And the crow said, look at you. Not only are, are you a terrible singer, but you're a lousy loser. And the nightingale said, I'm not crying because I lost. I'm crying because a pig was my judge. You see, what do pigs know about music? I happen to love pigs, so this isn't a diss on pigs. But this is about consider the source, right? So if somebody calls you fat, in a, in a way that they mean to be critical. Or if someone says, oh, you, you've got thunder thighs or whatever. Why is it that they're finding your body important for them to comment on, right? What's going on with them that they're making your body their business? Because usually they're projecting their own fears onto you or their nonsense or maybe the, the only way they know how to feel good is by putting someone else down. I mean, there's 101 reasons that have nothing to do with you and your body. So learning to consider the source when someone else, um, consider the source in terms of um, not just social media, but media in general. All those images that you're being shown often are by people that stand to make money off of you feeling bad about your body, whether it's the latest diet or whether it's a fitness regime or whether it, whatever, cosmetic surgery, whatever it is. So when you consider the source, they, they have a lot to gain. And, and you want to know who has something to gain from you feeling bad about yourself because you want to consider the source. Definitely. And I guess what about if someone close to you has their own negative body image, maybe like a parent, 
I guess, what would you kind of do in that situation? Okay. Well, it depends on how close you are to the person. If they know you're struggling with your body image, you could say, you know what? I don't want to talk about physical appearance because it's getting in the way of my clearing my issues with body image. Or if it's somebody you're not very close to, you can say, you know, I don't really like talking about physical appearances. You can just yeah. be simple. Or you can just say, you know what? Oof, this isn't something that I'm comfortable getting into. And you change the subject. You start talking about tomatoes or whatever. Yeah, definitely. I guess you were kind of talking about like body shaming and body comments and things like that. What if someone was to do it like about themselves in front of you? Like someone would say, oh, I'm so fat. I don't think I can. I, I, I can't go to that party. I'm too fat. Everyone's going to make fun of me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's when you, well, I think most people know how to be kind, right? So the first thing to understand is they're saying that. Remember the not about the body part of body image. So basically, if you were to push the pause button, there's probably another reason why they're feeling anxious about going to that party. Maybe they're shy. Maybe they don't know anyone. Maybe there's someone they have a crush on that's there and they don't know how to handle it. So, you know, I think depending on how close you are to that person, you could either say, you know, I know you, you uncomfortable about your body, but I'm guessing you're also uncomfortable about some other things with that, with going to that gathering how can I help you with that yeah definitely and I guess would you have any overall I guess advice for someone who feels that their body image is really impacting them and maybe their relationship with food well yeah I think the the getting inside your body and um, developing interoceptive awareness specifically around hunger and satiety signals. So the idea is that we, our bodies are designed, they're built to tell us when to eat, how much to eat, when not to eat. And so, you know, if you start listening to your hunger and satiety signals, your body's talking to you. The issue is you're not listening. And why aren't you listening? Because you're busy beating yourself up about the way you look. So the idea is starting to listen to your body and, and even something as simple as identifying the sensation, remember we're going for body sense, interoceptive awareness of hunger and satiety. So I might say to someone, what's the physical sensation you feel when you are hungry and where in your body do you feel it? And they might say, oh, I get lightheaded and dizzy. Not, that's not hunger, that's famished. And what's gonna happen if you wait to eat until you're famished, right? You're gonna eat everything you can get your hands on, you, me, the rest of us, because that's the way the body is designed. Is If the signal is loud, the response is gonna be loud. So the sensation of hunger is a whisper, not a shout. And it's an actual sensation. I feel like pizza is not a physical sensation. You're looking for a contraction or an expansion or a heaviness, 
a lightness somewhere in your body, a roughness, a smoothness, a hollowness, a density, a warmth, a coolness. Notice my language. I'm talking about sensation. And then there's the flip side of it. What's the physical sensation that you feel when you are full and where in your body do you feel it? And typically someone might say, it's hard to breathe or I have to unbuckle my belt. It's like, no, that's stuffed. And if you eat until you're stuffed on a regular basis, you're going to be a body size that's not right for you. So again, looking inside, finding where is there a contraction or is it an expansion or is it a feeling of hollowness or is it feeling of density? Is it a feeling of movement or is it still and quiet? Is it heavy? Is it light? Is it rough? Is it smooth? Is it cool? Is it warm? Where is it? So this can take a while, by the way, because we've been trained not to look inside our body. We've been trained to eat because it's time to eat or because everybody else is eating or because someone who loves you um, um, picks the food or we've been trained not to eat because, oh, I want to fit into um, that dress that, that I'm wearing tonight or I, I, I want to look good at the beach or, I mean, so we're, we've been trained to ignore those signals and as a result we don't believe we can trust them so it's a process of really in the beginning just really learning to identify the sensations and they're different for different people so kind of a fun thing to do would be ask your friends okay what's the physical sensation you feel when you're hungry and where in your body do you feel it um, and, and with children, you can make it a game. I remember we would do it at the dinner table with my daughters. And, and I remember one time we, um, we went, we were out, we were traveling and we we're at a buffet and my younger daughter said, Oh, mommy, I ate to here the top of her head instead of here where her stomach was. So, you know, it's a way of just learning to read your body from within. Yes. And I guess what about for people maybe with a low appetite? That that restrict their food? Okay. Maybe if maybe let's say they forget to eat and then I guess they just aren't really drawn or have those body sensations. Because they're not paying attention. So next thing you know, they got a headache or they're hangry and they're yelling at their partner or whatever. Um, because it's it's really the same issue. It's a lack of body awareness and and also a lack of um, respecting your body when it's talking to you. And then it does need a certain amount of nutrients as well, kind of that self-care element. Well, totally. Yeah. I mean, taking care of your body. A lot of people, when they think of self-care, they say, well, I'll get a manicure or I'll, I'll, I'll soak in the tub. And it's like, really? It, that's lovely. But self-care involves um, sleeping when you're tired, um, you know, uh, going to the bathroom when your body says it needs to rather than trying to hold it um moving when you feel energized resting when you're tired eating when you're hungry stopping when you're full i mean there's a lot of care that the body requires 
And so having a, a caring relationship with the body is what self-care is. Definitely. That's so powerful, the relationship and, you know, being kind to yourself, mm. taking care of yourself. I, I remember a friend once said to me, he said, you know, imagine if you were given a car and you didn't have to do anything to, to pay for this car. It, were given, it was given to you free. Um, you didn't have to earn it. It was just delivered up. Um, but the only catch is it's the only car you'll ever have for the whole of your life. How would you take care of that car? It's the same with the body. This is it, folks. <laughs> right? This is the only one you're going to get. Um, and so how do you want to take care of it? It's got to last a while if you want to be on the planet for any length of time. Yeah. And I guess what does not taking care of yourself look like? Well, it means going for a, a run and doubling the, the number of miles you run because you ate a muffin and, and felt like you needed to uh, push it even though your ankle was hurting. It means, um, you know, keeping yourself from sleeping because you have too much to do when your body needs to rest. It, it means eating way past fullness um, um, because you um, are upset and don't want to feel your emotions. It means um, not ever moving your body when it wants to move and there's all kinds of things like that definitely and I love how you talked about not feeling your emotions and not being able to sit with them as because the emotions are in the body that's where they are <laughs> our body is the mechanism we have for feeling that those particular energetic constellations yeah definitely and I guess would you like to say anything else about body image well, I think be what you had said earlier, be kind. This is your best friend. This is this is not your enemy. That your body is here to support you in physical form. Um, you know, uh, we come to this non we come from some non-physical reality. Who knows where it is? Heaven, the ethers, I don't know. But to to be in this three-dimensional reality we call earth we have to have a body that's going to take us around right and so um be kind to this body that's here to help you yes and I guess for anyone who would like to find more information about you where could they find you they can go to lightofthemooncafe.com and um, for anyone that, that's wanting to learn more about not just body image, but how to, how to work metaphorically with disordered eating, um, there's a, a PDF, a free, free PDF they can download if they go to lightofthemooncafe.com forward slash BMA for Body Matters Australia. Well, I wanted to say thank you so much for this episode, Anita. It has been wonderful. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for the opportunity.
Well, that's the end of today's episode. Please subscribe, leave us a comment or a review. If you would also like to learn more about Body Matters services, you can check out our website at bodymatters.com.au. Thanks for listening.